This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you and welcome to the show. Two lengthy shows tonight as we wrap up the week, and we begin with a scary one from the program's Lights Out, entitled, He Dug It Up. Ironized Yeast presents Lights Out. Everybody. It is later than you Lights Out brings you stories of the supernatural and the supernormal, dramatizing the fantasies and the mysteries of the unknown. We tell you this frankly, so if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these imaginative plays, we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now. This is Arch Obler with Quite a Cold. The idea for tonight's story, the strange story of He Dug It Up, came to me a few years ago when I was in England, pre-war England. I lived in a hotel overlooking a peaceful garden, and looking down to that bit of quiet, I, I strangely thought of death. But first, Frank Martin with a word. If you're thin and jittery, run down and always tired... If you envy your peppy, popular, successful friends and wonder what they've got that you haven't got, why, maybe it's only more vitamin B and iron. Yes, today thousands may suffer from deficiencies of these vital substances. Yet when you need them, there's such an easy way to get more of them. Simply take ironized yeast tablets. They're the famous two-way tonic that gives you both vitamin B and iron. So when you need them, ironized yeast helps two ways to... Step up your weight and pep and sparkle, your enjoyment of life. Jot that name down now. Ironized Yeast Tablets. And now, lights out, everybody. Ah, it is a nice day. <laughs> Yes, I agree with you, Mr. Sparrow. It's as nice a day as I, too, have ever seen. <laughs> I remember a day like this when I was about 12. Mother took me into London to see the King's Palace. Yes, that was Edward. And I had on a green suit and that. <laughs> but that wouldn't interest you now, would it, Mr. Sparrow? Funny, I never went back. Less than a hundred miles away, and I... Morning, never... Mr. Uh, Jeffrey. Uh, oh, good morning, Mr. Elkins. Hey, Mr. Jeffrey. Oh, 
Kind of late in the season to be planting now, ain't it? Oh, I, I wouldn't exactly say that, Mr. Elkington. Not for what I'm planting. Well, what would that be, might I be asking? A tree, my friend. Oh. A nice, strong catapa tree. My son sent it to me all the way from Exeter. You don't say catapa tree. Well, now. I say, could I be giving you a hand with that shovel, Mr. Jeffrey? No, 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 thank you kindly. I like to dig in the soil, and the exercise does me good. Thank you kindly. Oh, well, then I'll be off on my business, Mr. Jeffrey. Good morning to you. Good morning, Mr. Erkington. Good morning. (laughs) Thought it is a good morning. (sighs) The rain certainly softened you up, didn't they, Mr. Crown? Nice and soft. Nice and soft. <coughs> Going to dig you a nice deep hole, Mr. Catalpa. Ah, nice deep hole so that your roots will have a good firm start in life. Yes, indeed. Ah. Well, if that's not the way to act, Mr. Ground, throwing big boulders in the way of my shovel. Mm. <clears throat> Mighty big stone, too, from the sound of it. <clears throat> Dig you up, Mr. Boulder. If it takes me a week, yes, indeed. <clears throat> big stone, all right. Keep after it, that's all. <laughs> Buried all these years in the corner of my garden, and I never knew about you, now, did I? <laughs> there. There, that's showing results. Hmm. Yeah. Like an oblong. <laughs> that's queer. Big flat oblong stone in my garden. Dig you up. That's what I'll do. Dig you up. Yes, indeed. Oh, Mrs. Gracie. Mrs. Gracie. Yes, what is it? Mrs. Gracie, come out here. You've got to come out. All right, all right. Now, what in creation is it, Mr. Jeffrey? Mrs. Gracie, look, look. Land sakes alive. What kind of a hole for a tree is that? Don't see why in the world... You... Look, I tell you. Is is it a coffin? Coffin? That size and not a stone? Then what would a coffin be doing in my garden? I never heard of anyone being buried here. It's much too big. Mr. But... Gracie, I got it. What? Roman. The Romans left it here. Romans? Don't you understand? The Romans. The Romans invaded and lived in Britain over 1,500 years ago. They left it here. Nobody like that lived around here. And don't you tell me anything different, Mr. Jeffrey. But I am telling you, a Roman's a coffin. Now, Mr. Jeff. Oh, never mind. Mr. Robinson, uh, run over and get Mr. Robinson here. Tell him to bring a couple of men. We've got to dig this thing up. We've got to <laughs> dig it up? Mr. Jeffrey, it's the sun that struck your head. Now, don't stand there lecturing me. Mr. Robinson, hurry, get him. No, no, I won't. What? Not you, to you... dig it up, I won't. To bury it deeper, yes, but not to dig it up. Mrs. Coffin or one of them heathen, whatever you call it, it makes no difference. If it's been buried here all these years, then I... I say cover it over and let it be. There's some things best left deep under the ground. All right, all 
right, men. Are you ready with the ropes? Uh, ready, Mr. Robinson. Right, you are. How about you, Joe? All ready, Mr. Robinson. Good. Now, when I give the signal, one, two, three, you on that side of the rope pull, while you on the other side work on the block and tackle. One, two, and up on three. Have you got it? Aye, we have it. Oh, Mr. Robinson, you will be careful. I, I mean, not to damage. Now, I mean, look here, please. friend Jeffrey. I've been in the building and excavating trade and constable of this township for 20 years. And all that time, I've given only one thing, and that's satisfaction. Yes, sir. Now, as for this little stone container... Little Judas Priestman is ten foot by three, and heaven knows how heavy. Well, true as that may be to my way of thinking, it's still a small job. If you're worried about my damaging it, you're free to call in one oh, of my no. competitors. No, 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 Mr. Robinson, I want you to handle the matter. Oh, yes, yes. Me, all yes. right, then stay clear, and I'll give the order. Hey, now, wait, wait. If you please, Mr. Robinson, wait. Yeah. That housekeeper of mine, Mrs. Gracie, hmm? she wouldn't want to miss the doings, and I don't know where she's gone off to. If, if now, you'd only Mr. Wait... Jeffrey, I'm a busy man, so if you'll just stand aside. Uh, no, please. All right, men. Already. Now, don't pull until I give the signal. One, two, three. Up with it. Up. Easy there, Joe. Bring those ropes over the left. Up with it. Up with it. Steady there. Not too fast, you fool. Sam, get ready to put on red. Easy now, Joe. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't swing it too high. Not too high. Are you deaf? Not too high or is it... No, no. Put it back in the ground. Put it back in the ground, I tell Mrs. you. Mrs. Gracie, what in the way? Get wind? out of the way. Put it back in the Mrs. ground. In the ground. Mrs. It wasn't in the ground. It belongs. Mr. Jeffrey, I'm Get out of the way. Jeffrey, get that woman out of the way. In the ground. Mrs. Mrs. Gracie, are you crazy? You crazy old woman. Get away. My men can't hold it. tackle. It's slipping. Look out. Look out. Get on those rounds. Mother in heaven, it fell right on top of her. Coffin fell right on top of her. Oh, Mrs. Grace. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I think you'll agree when an ancient stone coffin buried for centuries in a peaceful English countryside becomes an instrument of sudden death, well, it's time for a deep breath and let our well-stretched imaginations move back into hope again as we turn our thoughts to something that perhaps is your problem. Could this be you saying to your children, Listen, you kids, I'm tired. This war job has got me down. Now keep quiet, you hear me? Oh, Joe, don't be so cross to the children. Come eat your good supper and you'll feel better. Cross? Who's cross? I'm tired, I tell you. I'm too tired to eat. I'm too tired to sleep. All I ask is a little peace and you keep my nerves on edge with your nagging. No wonder I'm getting thin as a rail. Oh, now, mister, don't be so quick to blame your family or your job. Maybe all that's to blame is vitamin B and iron shortage. You say you're thin and tired and jittery? Well, when you don't get enough vitamin B from the food you eat, you may lose your appetite. You may eat so poorly that you lose weight and lose your pet. Why, you may not even get all the good out of what you do eat. And when you don't get enough iron from your food, you may be weak and pale, feel only half alive. Well, if that is my trouble, can I help it? Yes, sir, I think you can. And here's the quickest, easiest way I know. Take ironized yeast tablets. They're the famous two-way tonic that gives you both vitamin B and iron. Yet they cost but a few pennies a day. And these pleasant little tablets are an absolute cinch to take. So if you simply need more vitamin B and iron, don't wait. Start taking ironized yeast tablets right away, tonight. Then see if pretty quick you aren't saying, Boy, oh boy, I feel swell. Tired? Jittery? 
Not me. Not put on pounds. That ironized yeast sure is great stuff. Now, back to Lights Out and our story of He Dug It Up. The stone coffin has fallen and the old housekeeper is dead. Cruel thing, Mr. Jeffrey. Cruel indeed. Yes. Cruel and yet not cruel. For the ways of the divine providence are beyond our poor mortal understanding. Yes, I shall say that very thing over her grave when we bury the poor woman. As you wish, Reverend. Ah, what a day this has been. More excitement in just a few hours in this village than we've had in a dozen years. I wonder now whether... Ah, almost nine. Well, I'd better be getting back to the church. I have to get everything ready for the service tomorrow. Uh, did you speak to Mr. Carboy about the coffin? Yes. That's good. We'll pay the good lady proper respect, we will. Well, I'll be on my way. Good night, Reverend. Oh, uh, uh, one thing more, Mr. Jeffrey. Yes? Uh, I didn't want to speak of it uh, in all the excitement before, but I feel I really should. Yes, Reverend? I know you were in quite an emotional state of mind, but do you feel it was quite the proper and respectable thing to do? I mean, having that Roman antique brought right here into the house, when it, uh, inanimate thing though it be, was the direct cause of poor Mrs. Grace's death. I wanted the sarcophagus in here, Reverend. Wanted it? But what possible use could that great stone sepulcher be to you? Oh, I realize it has certain intrinsic value. After the funeral, we'll get in touch with the proper museum authorities in London and have them take care of it. But don't you see, it wasn't quite respectful of the dead bringing the very thing in here that had caused the tragedy. Not respectful at all, Mr. Jeffrey. It was what I wanted. Good night, Reverend. Uh, but, Mr. Jeffrey, I... Uh, oh. Uh, good night. Uh, good night. Disrespectful. Hmm. No fault of Mr. Coffin that she ran under it. Call in the proper authorities. I'm proper authority in Roman things myself, I am. Read the whole Gibbon's decline and fall of the Roman Empire, didn't I? I certainly did. Here you are, Mr. Coffin. Just when I made them put you. And I did make them, didn't I? Ran right under you, she did. Superstitious old fool. No fault of yours, Mr. Coffin. Yes, you're a big one. Uh, let me see. Uh, about ten feet long on this side and... and four this way. Uh, it's a discovery that ought to make history that it ought. Wait for experts, should I? What would the experts do? Cart you off to one of those museums and there I'd be... Hey, the man that found you with nothing but a hole in my garden and a new grave in the cemetery to show what had happened. No. No. I'd be my own expert, Mr. Corbett. I'll open you up myself right now. And I'll take the blame or credit and no mistake about it. There's iron bar. Mm. Mr. Robinson will wonder where his crowbar went. Now, won't he, Mr. Corbett? Back to him in the morning, yes, indeed, yes. Uh, 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 
there. Got you wide open enough to look inside now, haven't I? Experts. I'll show them. Can't see. Matches. There now. If you don't mind now, Mr. Coffin, I'll bend over to see what you've got inside. Are you there? Are you there? Uh, uh, Reverend, uh, this is uh, Mr. Jeffrey. Yes, 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 Jeffrey. No, 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 no. Uh, listen to me. That Roman sarcophagus, I just opened it. Inside of it, there's something, a woman, and yet, yet it isn't. I, I, I mean, oh, Reverend, come over quickly. You see, whatever it is, I don't think it's dead. must listen to me. I'm a person of understanding, of judgment. I say leave it alone. Don't go near the thing until they get here. Now, I phoned Dr. Thompson at the British uh, Museum. He's an expert, expert, a qualified expert. Expert. There you go, experting again. Now, 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 now you shove on that side and I'll pull on with this. Yes. There, there. That ought to fetch the lid off. It's all against my better judgment. All right. All right. Off with it. She Another uh, shove. Uh, 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 open. We've got it open. Reverend, look. Look at her head. Why, what? What in Satan's name is it? Lion's head. That's it, a lion's head. Uh, and, and the body of a woman. And alive. She is alive. Don't be a fool. It's a heathen idol. Stone. No, no. It's living skin. I'll touch it. I'll prove it. Ah. It is stone. And a blasphemous heathen thing. We'll cover it up, and in the morning I'll have it buried again. No, no, no. No, you won't. It's fine. Found it on my property. Oh, heaven forgive you. The blood of your poor housekeeper still staining it. Staining it? What are you talking about? This is Grace's blood. See, it's still on it. But... But the outside of the coffin fell on her. This part was closed. But it is blood. Fresh blood. Oh, it can't be out of here. <sighs> Mr. Jeffrey. Reverend, that woman. A minute ago, I felt cold stone. And now it's warm. Constable, constable, can't you walk any faster? Oh, it'll wait, Reverend. Whatever it is, it'll wait. But I tell you, he acted like a madman. Practically threw me out of the house bodily because I persisted... Now, wait a minute, Reverend. Begging your pardon, wait a minute. Me, I don't know a thing about this. I'm sleeping as peaceful as a sheep in the fields when you wake me up. Well, you represent the law in this community. But begging your pardon, I don't know that there's any representing to do, if you get what I mean. But I told yes, you... Yes, sir, you told me that the coffin that killed poor Mrs. Gracie... He opened it, I tell you. And since when is that against the law? Oh, keep walking, man, keep walking. Begging your pardon, Reverend, I know when I'm walking. Now, now, now here's the house. Now go in there, go in there and see for yourself. And that's just what I'm going to do, sir. See, you'll see. I demand that you remove the heathen idol by force and have it bedded in the ground where it belongs. I demand that you... Hold it, sir. Well? It's me, Mr. Jeffrey. I didn't send for you. I brought him here. Oh, 
It's you, is it? And now, Mr. Jeffrey, I feel it my duty. I'm begging your pardon, Reverend. As long as you got me out of bed, let me do the talking, oh, if you well, don't mind, sir. <clears throat> now, Mr. Jeffrey, I'd like a bit of an explanation. Explanation, my grandmother. Constable. Constable, he slammed the door in our faces. Oh, that he did, but, but what of it? He's broke no law that I know of. Then come, come and see for yourself. Eh? At the window. Glory be. I see the thing now. It, it it, can't be alive. I don't know. I don't know. Stone, and yet, yet it was warm to the touch. It better not be alive. Why? Why do you say that? Because, look for yourself. Mr. Jeffrey, he's cutting into her with that bit of iron. Come in and help me, Mr. Elton. Oh, I'm right glad to be of service, I am. I'm glad to be of service. This is devilish hard rock. Yes, yes, it is. But we've got to break the statue open, Mr. Elkington. We've got to. If you say so. Oh, the fool, the constable, and the reverend. They'll be back soon with some new ideas about getting into the house now, won't they? I, I suppose so. But they won't stop me. They won't. I've a chance to do something before I die. Make a big discovery, I tell you. They, they won't stop me. We'll have the statue cut open before they get here now, won't we, Mr. Arthur? We'll try, I will yes, try. Yes, 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 yes. Cut it open and know the secret. Something that keeps that stone warm as if it were flesh. Uh, that'll be a wonderful discovery now, won't it? Ah, oh, that it will. Uh, yeah, faster, Mr. Stilkey, faster. I'll try, I'll try. Crikey, this stone is so hard. They mustn't stop us. No, 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 no. Faster, Mr. Elkington. Oh. Elkington. Why have you stopped? It's my fingers cramped. I can't open my hands. Chisel, give it to me. All right, all right. Got to keep working. Got to. I'll know the secret in you, Lionhead. That's the name I'm going to give her, Elkington, Lionhead. The power that's kept the stone in you warm all these centuries. I've got to know that, Lionhead. And I will know it. Have to keep working. Now, Reverend, Reverend, you can drive a man too far. I tell you... No, Constable, now we'll tell you. Uh, uh, For 24 hours, you've been telling the people of this community that the law won't permit you to do this and the law won't permit you to do that. Well, it won't. But we tell you we won't stand by and permit one of our citizens to indulge in heathen madness and not do something about it. Am I right, gentlemen? But, But what can I do? He's in his own home. He's not committing any public nuisance. We've gone over that a hundred times. The fact remains you've got to go in there and stop him. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to. The hardest stone in the world. They made you up, huh? Yes. Well, Mr. Jeffrey, I'm asking you, please stop cutting into it. Please. of the warmth. Before any of the others know about it. Before they stop me. Hark! What's that? Not to keep working. Uh, that sound, Mr. Jeffrey, what is it? I can't talk to you, Mr. Arkington. Important work. But, uh, Mr. Jeffrey, the chisel, why did you drop it? My hand. Like an electric current running through the chisel. Oh, no. No, no, just... Just a weariness in my muscles. Uh, pick up the chisel. 
Yes. Go on. I, I, yes. I, I think I'm going now, No, Mr. no, Jeffrey. no. You I, stay where you are. I, you stay until you stay there. If I lock the door for you, they will come in. And I won't let them in before I learn the secret, you hear me? That sound, Mr. Jeffrey, it's like something uh, burning. Do you hear? It's been getting louder and louder. Well, stop. I've got to find the secret of that warmth. Fifteen centuries of warmth. Mr. Uh, Jeffrey, it's the constable. I don't care. I don't care. Open up. Open up, Mr. Jeffrey. Well, you, you won't stop me, you meddling fool. Open up, Mr. No. Jeffrey, in the name of the law. We've got a warrant uh, this time, good and proper. Warrant? Oh, no, no. Oh, Mr. Warrant. Jeffrey, you ought to really... No, 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 no. I, I, I'm almost finished. Go away. Go away. Headed goddess Sekhmet. Well? And they worshipped her as the goddess of fire. Hmm. Now, just a second, Mr. Obler. Are you asking us to believe that in the year of our Lord 1940, they could unearth a stone sarcophagus containing a Roman fire goddess capable of burning a man to death? Oh, come now. Well, is that any more difficult to believe than that a small Austrian house painter with a comedy mustache could try to burn up a world? You know, Frank, England is an island full of mysterious traces of ancient civilizations. Have you ever heard of Stonehenge? Stonehenge? What's that? Well, it's a strange... <laughs> but I'll tell you about that in just a moment. And ladies and gentlemen, I'll take that moment to remind you, if simply because of vitamin B and iron shortage, you're unattractively thin and nervous, unable to eat or sleep as you should, seldom feeling really peppy and alive, then for your own sake, try ironized yeast tablets. They cost but a few pennies a day. What's more, they're sold on a money-back basis. Listen, if you don't quickly begin to eat and sleep better, to feel much stronger and livelier, and if you're not convinced that ironized yeast will help you gain pounds of brand new flesh, the cost of the first bottle will be refunded to you in full by Ironized Yeast, Box IY, Rahway, New Jersey. Just be very sure you get the one and only 
ironized yeast with IY on the package and on each tablet. And now, Mr. Obler, you were about to tell us... Yes, about Stonehenge. Over in England, miles away from the cities, you're driving along, and suddenly as you come over a rise of the road, there are these tremendous archways and monuments of stone, a strange semicircle of great stone pillars. Archaeologists say they've been there since prehistoric times, yet there are no stone quarries within hundreds of miles. No one knows how those blocks of stone got there and who or what put them there. These unsolved mysteries from out of mankind's past, who knows but that someday traces of our own civilization will be found, and then a super race of man will ask, were they men, these people of 1943? And now, what happens next week, Mr. Obler? Well, we were talking about a little Austrian house painter before, uh, Schickelgruber by name. Now, we all know how his warped ideas shook a world. Well, next week's story is about a boy, a college boy who also had a twisted idea, and with it, twisted a universe. The title, Oxychloride X. The time, next week. Yes, Lights Out will come to you again next Tuesday at the same time. Be sure to listen to Arch Obler's Oxychloride X. And if you need more vitamin B and iron, be sure to try Ironized Yeast, the one and only Ironized Yeast, with the big letters IY on the package and on each tablet. It is later than you think. Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to go back to 1940 and hear one of the most popular programs, Fibber McGee and Molly, and the episode Stuck in a Suit of Armor. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Marion and Jim Jordan as Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, the King's Man, and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with Crazy Rhythm. Thank you. 
matinee of the play, written, directed, and produced for the Woman's Club by Fibber McGee. It's entitled, When Knighthood Was the Stuff, or Who Wants to Rattle in the Castle. And the curtain has just risen on the third gripping act, where in a gleaming suit of armor, Sir Lancelot is seen talking to the fair Elaine. These two parts we see by the program are taken by Fibber McGee and Molly. Lancelot, do not be so distant. Come as closer to me, fair knight. Oh, sure. Uh, wouldst that thou didst not have to fight the black knight in yon tournament today. I fear me that some harm will perchance come to thou. Say not so. Or say not so, fair knight. Methinks I can best this black knight with one eye tied behind me. Verily, Elaine... He is a Peluga. A pushover, forsooth. Ah, there speaketh me, old true Lancelot. Yea. Remember, I am banking on you, my fair knight. Ah, yes. Bank knight. <laughs> Dost thou not get it, Elaine? Thou said thee are banking on me, and I cometh back with a goodly quip. Ain't funny, Nick Lancelot. <laughs> Gad Zooks. I would fain have done better. Did not these iron pants cramp at my style somewhat? Listen, my Lancelot. Someone approaches the drawbridge. Is that what that was? <laughs> Could it be the man who comes to our house when Papa's gone away? <laughs> Nay, fair maid. It is the Black Knight. And now I must go forth to do battle for thy hand. Hold it now, hold it. For shouldst I fail, must thou perforce be given in marriage to the Black Knight. Ah, these are troublous times when a maid must wed against her will. Merlin the magician telleth me that he hath looked into the future unto the time when the shotgun will have supplanted the broadsword to this purpose. <laughs> Merlin, bah, a faker. A reader of tea leaves, forsooth. You said it. <laughs> he is always taking an orange pico into the future. <laughs> but I must go forth to bottle, or battle, Elaine. <laughs> Aha! He cometh. It is Sir Throckmorton, the Black Knight of Gildersleeve. Four of them. Oh, Black Knight. It is I, Sir Lancelot, challenging thou to combat. Oh, yes. Yeah. Good day, good night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello, Elaine. Speakest not to the maid of Astolat, Black Knight, until thou hast bested thy opponent, Sir Lancelot, in mortal combat. Yea. Draw and defend thyself, Violet. The word is Violet, McGee. Huh? Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. Draw and defend thyself, Barlet. And may the best man win. Two arms, Knave. Two arms. Uh, Go to it, Lancelot, me bully boy. Try a left jab with thy broadsword. Ah. Verily, it sounded like a boiler factory. I fear me this flake like it's louder than yon armor. 
Remember, I'm supposed to win. All right, McGee. We've got to make this look good, otherwise we'll... Oh! Cut that out, McGee. You stuck me. Well, I couldn't help it. You're so darn clumsy. That's so. Well, let me tell you... Oh! You stop that stuff, McGee, or I'll bang your iron pajamas into a wad of tinfoil. <laughs> All right, you bangy, but don't give me any more of your lips. <laughs> Heavenly night, or day. Look at him go, will you? Now look here, Lancelot. I've had about enough of this. combat, Elaine. Wilt marry me? I wilt indeed, brave Lancelot. Ah, do I wilt. <laughs> but, fair maid, thou seemest sad. Thy eyes are drooping. What botherest thou? Tell me, Lancelot, hath America yet been discovered? Nay, not until eight centuries hence. Well, then, how canst thou take thy bride to Niagara Falls? <laughs> Molly. Well, I think it was wonderful, dearie. It's the best play you ever wrote, I believe. Oh, oh, Mr. McGee, oh, what a wonderful performance, really. Oh, you me. were simply marvelous. Oh, oh, and you, Mr. McGee, you were simply perfect for the part. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Uppington. <laughs> do you really think so? Oh, I do indeed. The minute I saw you come out on the stage in that costume, I said to myself, how delightfully she portrays a girl of the Middle Ages. <laughs> Middle-aged, really. <laughs> now, looky here, Mrs. Uppington. Uh, excuse me, girls. To lay aside my sword and get sorted, Mrs. Uppington. How about the gate receipts? How do we come out financially? Oh, splendidly, Miss McGee. Why? You know, before we started, the club had a $300 deficit. Now, how's the deficit? Oh, now it's $950. Isn't that wonderful? Oh. The biggest deficit we ever had. Wonderful. Oh, my, I'm so thrilled, really. <laughs> well, how was the audience reaction, Uppy? Good? Oh, now, I was extremely disturbed about that for a time during the second day. Why, Mrs. Uppington? Well, the steam radiators were hissing so loudly. And when I ran down to turn them off, there were no radiators. <laughs> You overplayed your part a little when you slapped Mr. Gildersleeve down with your sword. <laughs> that was quite a wallop I gave the old boy, wasn't it? <laughs> I bet he thought he was playing with Olsen and Johnson and Helmet to Poppin. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 here he comes. Oh, look here, McGee. <laughs> oh, hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. My, you were wonderful as the Black Knight. So realistic, really. I'll say you were, Gildersleeve. I think you've got definite talent. 
In fact, I, I think you'd make a great character actor if you only had a little more character. <laughs> and could act. Is that so? <laughs> well, what was the idea of knocking me cold in the last act? That baseball bat wasn't in the script, McGee. <laughs> well, that was just a sudden inspiration, Gilkey. <laughs> Did you see that dent in his helmet, Molly? I that was the biggest depression I've seen since 1929. <laughs> That's enough from you, McGee. Oh, yeah. Take off that armor and meet me man to man. I'll... I'll blitzkrieg you! Oh, here now, Mr. Gildersleeve. That's okay, Molly. That's the way the little boy wants it. Beat it now, Gildersleeve, and I'll meet you outside in five minutes. Oh, no, you won't. I'm going to wait right here for you. Oh, dear. Why do you two always have to be fighting? Why Why don't you patch things up, McGee? When I get through with this guy, they won't even be able to patch him up. Why, I'll... I'll... Let me at him. Let me at him. Hey, where's the dingus that unhooks this armor? Here, McGee, let me help you. Don't you dare touch me! Don't you dare touch me. Not while I'm in this condition. I'll get out of this my own way. Now, how'd I ever get into this thing? Can't you remember, dear? No, I was so busy rehearsing my line. Oh. Maybe this is the way. Don't come off that way. Quit stalling, you little weasel. You quit rushing me, you big nasty, nasty, nasty stertium. Oh. Now, let me see. Oh, Where was that? Dear, you poor lad. Is oh. there anything your Molly can do for you, dearie? I guess not. Let me try once more. Take the helmet off first, why don't you? Oh, yeah? Why don't I? How do you get it off? Well, mine wasn't even fastened. Maybe yours screws off like a diver's helmet. Here, let me show you. Hey, oh, shut up! Twisting my head around. Yeah. What do you think I am, a puppet? The word is puppet, dearie. Huh? Well, whatever it is, I ain't one of them. I'd better let me think a minute. How can I get this dead rather thing off? Oh, McGee, what are you going to do? Stand here all evening like a can of tomatoes? There's only one thing to do, Molly. I gotta find a blacksmith. You come with me, Molly, and hold this sword over my head. What on earth for? There's a thunderstorm coming up, and in this outfit, I need a lightning rod. I want to. This is a free country. 
Oh, yeah. Well, let me tell you, Gildersleeve. All right, all right. Drink it up there. And you, where's your license? <laughs> license for what, officer? For holding a procession inside the city limits. Come on now, dig down into that chromium cutaway and show me your license. Dad, <laughs> rather, we ain't holding a parade. This is a theatrical costume. Well, why don't you leave your costume in your dressing room, you, you show-off? Quit acting like a kid, you scut. Now be on your way or I'll throw you in the can. Oh, yeah? What do you think I am now? Come on, Molly. Well, hello there, Molly. Who's your friend in the galvanized gabardine? Oh. It's Fibber, Mr. Wilcox. We're looking for a blacksmith shop so we can get him out of it. Yeah, otherwise I'm going to be a knight the rest of my days, Harlow. <laughs> well, that's a... <laughs> That's a tough spot you're in, pal. Ah, but those knights of the round table had the right idea at that. How so, Mr. Wilcox? Well, they knew that there was nothing like a hard, smooth outer layer of protection. Uh-oh. We will now hear from that polished nobleman, Circassian Walnut. <laughs> <laughs> well, gee, it's true. Johnson's Wax gives floors and furniture a suit of armor that gives them positive protection in the battle against dirt and dust and wear and scratches. Uh, tell me, Mr. Wilcox. Uh, did King Arthur use Johnson's Wax on the round table? Why, he must have, Molly. Johnson's Wax is good for round tables, square tables, coffee tables, card tables, ping-pong tables, kitchen tables, hall tables, night tables, dining tables. Oh, get to the end, Wilcox. Okay, and end tables. Oh. <laughs> Ain't he marvelous, folks? You couldn't dampen that guy's enthusiasm with a fire hose. You sure you don't know where there's a blacksmith shop, Harlow? No, I don't, Fibber. But wait till you read what the newspapers say about that play of yours. Oh. Well, what's that got to do with his getting out of that suit of armor? Plenty. <laughs> He'll feel so small he can crawl out through the visor. <laughs> well, good luck, pal. <laughs> McGee. Huh? Mr. Gildersleeve is still following us. He is. Just if he's got a grudge, why don't he come up to me and fight it out like a man? Oh, now be careful, McGee. Remember, it's his great big bare fist against you and that poor little suit of iron armor. Don't take any chances. Oh, oh there, my dear. Who's your friend in the noisy knickers? Uh, it's me husband, Mr. Boomer. We're looking for a blacksmith to get him out of the armor. Maybe you're the guy we're looking for, Boomer. As Mr. Roosevelt says to Mrs. Farley, how about the loan of your jimmy for a while? Good rattle rompers. Very good. <laughs> I've got exactly the thing for you. You have? Certainly have. Little invention of my own. A little gem can cutter and oyster opener. Guaranteed to open any Pullman window with one smart blow of the glass. Oh, hey, that don't sound bad. Do you think it'll work on me? Why, sleeve garters, one twist of the little gem and you'll come out of that sardine sarcophagus quicker than a rabbit can... Well, quicker than a rabbit can. <laughs> Trot it out, Mr. Boomer. Trot it out. This time you've made a sale, I yes. All right, my dear. I have a little gem a can opener right here someplace. Now, what did I do with that little gem? Let me see. Here's a sprig of mint leaves. In case I should encounter a leg of lamb. A little pop gun I used to pop off my top. Here's a small object no larger than a man's hand. In fact, that's just what it is. <laughs> 
Looks mighty familiar, too. Well, well, it's mine. But what was it doing in my pocket? Here's a letter that uh, Louis the Lifer asked me to deliver to the governor. Says here, I've been in here for 30 years, and again, Roosevelt and Taft and Dewey are going to run for president. I'd like to get out now, if you'll pardon me. This is where I came in. <laughs> and a check for a small portion of Pilchner. Imagine that. No little jam can opener. Come to think of it, you've done me a good turn, Paul Fly. What's me? I'm going right home and invent the little jam right now. Good day, my dear, and so long to you, demountable drawers. <laughs>
I still don't see any blacksmith shops, Molly. <laughs> what are horses wearing nowadays, anyway? Bedroom slippers? Ah, <laughs> oh, you poor lad. You must be simply worn out dragging around in that pile of scrap iron. We're right near our house. Why don't you go home and lie down a while? Hey, that's not a bad idea, Molly. After I get a rest, maybe I can remember how... Well, hello there, daughter. Who's the rummy in the rivet? <laughs> well, this is Mr. McGee, Mr. Oldtimer. Cheers, eh? How'd you ever get in there, Johnny? <laughs> Just overdid my diet, Oldtimer. Didn't have enough iron in my system, and now I got too much system in my iron. <laughs> I don't get it. Well, he had to wear this costume in a stage play, Mr. Oldtimer. He was very much on his metal, and uh, vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's pretty good, daughter. I so. But that ain't the way I heard it. Oh, dear. The way I heard it, one fella says, tell a fella, say, he says, it won't be long now till all them political candidates start calling each other names over the radio. They were smart. They'd all take a tip from this program and use Johnson's Wax and all their platforms. What do you mean, says the other Well, says the first fella, you know what Wilcox says. Dirt can't cling to a Johnson Wax surface. <laughs> well, it's commercial, but it's cute. <laughs> Shoot a heavy overwear all day? <laughs> well, looks like you'd have to, Mr. Oldtimer. Why? Well, I'm going to make some fudge tonight, and I'll give him 50 cents to come over and roll on the walnut. <laughs> you take it over, Johnny. So long, daughter. <laughs> that old twerp. He's got more silly notions than a five and ten cent store. <laughs> Boy, am I tired. Um, all day. We're almost home, dearie, and I'll make you a nice cup of tea. And then I look in the classified directory for somebody to get you out of that thing. <laughs> Might be a good idea to start looking under filing systems. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't know how I'm... Hi, mister. Oh, hello there, little girl. Hey, I seen you at our play tonight. How'd you like it? Well, I attended the play in my professional capacity of it. <laughs> what you mean? Well... I'm the dramatic editor of our kindergarten paper, and I have to see all the plays. Good, bad, and no different. Well, professionally then, sis, what'd you think of the underlying premise of our production? The underlying premise? Oh. What'd you think of the show? Oh, well, I have always thought that the days of knighthood was a very romantic period. Oh, yeah, well, what'd you think of my performance? Well, I thought you were very unromantic, period. Don't you think I was pretty impressive in this suit of armor? <laughs> Gee, that's funny. <laughs> that's just what Roy Toops asked me. Oh, he did, eh? Mm -hmm. He asked you uh, what you thought of me in my armor, eh? Sure. And what did you say? <laughs> oh, come on, sis. I can take it. <laughs> Flattery don't turn my head. <laughs> What'd you tell Willie Toops about me in my armor? Do I have to? Sure. Well, I, I said, Confident, 
silly Willie. Yeah. He planks. I still think she's a midget. <laughs> well, thank goodness for Bob Holmes. Ah, there, McGee. Oh, dear. I've been waiting for you. Oh, my. Oh, so you haven't got that armor off yet, eh? That's a pretty acute observation, Gildersleeve. Out of my way before I flatten your arches with these iron oxfords. You're a hard man, McGee. <laughs> Wait till you climb out of that chafing dish. You'll be sorry. Is that so? Yes, that's so. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Say, uh, who writes that snappy dialogue for you boys? <laughs> Is it Noel Coward? Why should I waste any brilliant epigrams on this lowbrow? Well, Come on, Molly. Let's... Hey, wait a minute. Wait. Quick. Lock the door. It's locked. Now, let me see. I jiggle this little gadget on the shoulder here. Unhook the front. Slide the helmet back. What? Oh. All off. Click the whistle. Boy, is that a relief. Give me the evening paper, Molly. Here. And here's your specs, dearie. But say, look here, McGee. Hmm? If you could take that armor off so easily, why didn't you do it at the theater? What? And get my block knocked off? dedicated to mothers, it is also a National Hospital Day, in honor of the birthday of Florence Nightingale, the founder of modern nursing. Yes, so may we suggest you pay a visit to your hospital and uh, get acquainted with your most helpful neighbor. Don't forget, it's the men and women in white we turn to when everything looks black. Good night. Good night, all. Thank you for listening. Thanks as well to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor, and I hope you join me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.